Virtual Assistant Podcast, episode number 37. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the virtual assistant podcast my name is cliff ravenscraft and of course this is the podcast where i am here to help lower the barrier that is keeping you from delegating tasks to a virtual assistant Well, my friends, I have been here now. This is be the 37th week that I have brought you an episode where I want to basically share with the world my joy of having uh, benefited from the services of a virtual assistant. That was the primary goal of launching this podcast. I wanted to share my journey. I want to tell the world about just how much easier my life has become as a result of having a virtual assistant, sharing with you not only the great times as far as all the the benefits and all the joys, but also sharing with you some of the struggles along the way. That has been my desire to share with you just one person's perspective of what it's like to have a virtual assistant. And then, of course, you know, I branched out of of just that original idea, and and uh, I certainly wanted to a- answer some regular questions that you guys had, some some of the biggest questions you had regarding the industry of virtual assistants. And, and a lot of you had questions about international VAs hiring domestic versus, you know, out, out of the country help. And, and um, you know, it, it's, it's been a fun journey. But I do want to announce to you right now that this is my second to last episode for the podcast. And, uh, and I, I believe that I'm going to be leaving on a strong note. Uh, I, I, I personally feel like there was an episode or two, uh, probably about three or four episodes back, like um, how your your virtual assistant can help you, you know, look like a great son and, you know, how a, a virtual assistant can help you survive the holidays. I'm going to be honest with you. Those two episodes, totally, they, they were not passion driven. Uh, those were moments where I actually went to my virtual assistant and said, hey, can you help me out with coming up with some content? I'm running out of details of things to share here. And, and the questions on the comment hotline, this is one of the shows that has the, has started to get some of the fewest number of calls. And so I decided, you know, I, I think I've covered just about everything. And now, have I covered everything in the world of virtual assistants? No, not at all. Uh, but I think that for my intended purpose of what I wanted to share, I certainly have done what I set out to do. And what I set out to do was to tell the world what a virtual assistant is. You know, all at least everybody in my community uh, a lot of people had no idea when I say, you know, VA, they're thinking of, you know, the hospital for vest for veterans. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what they're talking about. And it's like, what, what's the VA podcast? You, you're doing things about the vets. Uh, it's like, no, it, it's a virtual assistant, virtual assistant. What's that? A computer program. So th- there was a lot of people who had no idea that virtual assistants even exist. And of course, a lot of people had questions when I asked, when I started to explain. And I, I just wanted to open it up to the world, uh, in, to my world, the people in my world, in my circle. I wanted to expose them to this whole concept. And of course, I know that it, you know, I've been successful in answering a lot of questions because there's a lot of people in my world, in my circle, who since starting this podcast 37 weeks ago, have hired a virtual assistant. Um, I I know there have been, I know there have been three people that I could think of off the top of my head who have tried hiring a virtual assistant and did not meet with success. Uh, they were not happy with the results uh, for whatever reason. And of course, um, you know I've certainly talked about in the virtual assistant podcast that you know you're not always not, not every virtual assistant is created equal. And uh, matter of fact, I think that's one of the titles of an episode that I did. And uh, you know, not every VA is going to be a good fit for everybody. And so sometimes it takes two or three times. In fact, I interviewed somebody. I think it took them either was it four or five times before they finally found the virtual assistant that works for them. I think that there are ways that you can even avoid that from happening, honestly, uh, through some good interviewing technique and and stuff like that. But anyway, I do know three people who attempted this that, that never never thought of attempting it before. They attempted it and it did not work out for them. I, I know three people off the top of my head. Now, 
I happen to know more than 20 people off the top of my head, or actually not off the top of my head. I'd have to actually look at the list. But I know more than 20 people, more than 20 people who I know for a fact have hired a virtual assistant and are consistently still today sending me emails thanking me for telling them about this whole world of, of assistance that, that helps them delegate their tasks. And they are, they have met with great success. And, uh, I, and I, and I happen to know just because of, you know, my relationship with my sponsor and, and even some of the people that I've interviewed on this podcast that, that, uh, you know, there are people that I'm not even aware of because I, I've, I've been given some numbers of people who have signed up for services. Um, there, there's, there's many more than 20 people in my community, uh, that have listened to this podcast that have signed up for VA services and are still using those services and, and, and are still very happy with those services. So I, I certainly helped re, you know, drop the barrier there. And, um, and then of course I, I do know that there are, uh, there are plenty of people. I, I, I think I, I know at least three people off the top of my head and and I've heard about a lot more to be honest with you but uh, I I know three off the top of my head that have actually decided to become a virtual assistant and are now a virtual assistant and are actually meeting with some initial success in that area in this industry uh, as far as a career pursuit for them. So I'm very excited about what has been accomplished in a very short period of time. You might ask yourself well why is Cliff going to take a podcast that has been so crucial, so beneficial for so many people and help, help, have helped people and then end it. You know, and, and I just want to set anybody's fears aside. If you think it has anything at all to do with the fact that, you know, that my assistant Andrea had uh, pretty much given me a 30 day notice. And then, you know, at the last minute, right at a time when I was most vulnerable, got sick and, and uh, had strep throat and, and was laid out on my back for four days and straight and couldn't do anything. Uh, and she had to actually leave at that very moment in time. If if you think it has anything to do with that, and the fact that um, you know that I've had a difficult transition from moving from one virtual assistant to another, I'm going to tell you right now that is just not the case. Um, in fact, I I suspected a very difficult transition. Uh, and, and, and not only that, but I, I suspected that uh, not only would it be a difficult transition, but I felt like I might have to go through all the trouble of retraining everything down to the minutest detail. And boy, is this going to be a very huge burden on me. And I want to tell you that it, I'm going to tell you that it, the, the transition and, and I'm not sugarcoating this. I am not sugarcoating this, but I'm going to tell you the transition was easy. The transition has been easy for me. Now, I'm going to say in spite of the fact that for four days during this period of time, I was completely shut down uh, physically from strep throat and the fact that, you know, I had a bunch of other big, huge business things come my way that, that you know, have been on my mind and on my heart. Uh, coming back from being physically ill, being behind, uh, dealing with some, to be honest with you, some emotionally draining things that I've been dealing with and, and, and stuff personally. And, and when it all comes down to it, um, you know, in spite of going through all of that, and now I'm, I'm actually hopefully what I will call the tail end of a sinus infection. Through all of this, I was able to um, interview, set up an interview with three potential virtual assistants. I interviewed two of them. And after the second one, I told you that I hired Amy, my new assistant. I, I, I think I told you last week that I actually feel guilty about how much I'm enjoying the services that I'm getting from her and, and, and just how easy it is to work for her and how, how absolutely delighted I am to have Amy as my virtual assistant. I, I, I do. I feel guilty about that because I had such a great relationship with Andrea. And, but man, I, I tell you, I'm, it, it, this is, I don't want to use the word better, but there are things that are different. Um, in fact, there were some things that, you know, I still think Andrea, uh, had as, as, you know, just, you know, she, she was a mom, you know, and, and she, she had that mothering aspect to, to the way that she dealt with me and, and even my clients. But, uh, and so, the, so it's different, but still the, the Amy has this amazing ability to pick up technology in a way that I never even, uh, thought she, she would be able to, but man, she picks up on things well. 
And uh, Contemporary VA has it set up to where there's this manual that I have that's that's kept. And she's like, you know, hey, Cliff, I I so-and-so wanted to set up an appointment, but he said he can only do it after 6 p.m. And oh, by the way, I looked in the manual that Andrea had written up and she says that you'll, you know, on, you know, if worse comes to worse, you'll do a Monday evening. Is that still applicable in this case? And if so, would you like me to set him an appointment for next Monday? And if so, what time would be good for you? And, and it's like, it, she's just on top of it. And so I want to let you know, and if anybody has any, I'm going to say it here and I'll say it again next week at the end. Um, absolutely no, no, I, I've not had a bad experience with Contemporary VA uh, and and they have been a wonderful sponsor for this podcast and and they have been a wonderful benefit to my, my business. My contract, uh, because Andrea, when she found me, I, when I when I signed up with Andrea, I signed up with Contemporary VA, and and that's where my contract is. I could give a thirty day notice and say, hey, I don't you know, I'm going to go out and find something else, uh, but I, I have no plans to do so. Um, at Contemporary VA, uh, typically, I think what they do is they assign a new VA to you. Uh, and stuff like that. But they worked with me. I told them, I said, listen, you know, I'm not down with that. I want to, I want to interview. I want to talk with, I want to, I want to get to know the person before I say, yes, they can actually be trained. And, and not only that, but I want to be involved in training them. Uh, and, and they said, well, you sure, because we can handle the training process and they were going to handle that. But then the whole situation with Andrea leaving sooner, um, you know, it, it, I, it, I, it, I made it fall into my hands because I wanted to make sure it was trained. She was trained properly in my way. And so, uh, but no, this, this transition has been so amazingly awesome. And and I'm not, again, you know, you're not getting a sugar coated anything from me right here. I am telling you, it has been awesome. In fact, um, you know, uh, Amy now is doing my QuickBooks and PayPal, uh, updates. I told you about that last week. She's now scheduling all my appointments. Um, she's processing some things from my email and not only that, but um, she all not last week she was posting, you know, I would actually record the shows and I would process them and and tag them, put the MP3 artwork and all that other stuff. And then I would, you know, upload that to my media host. And then I would send her a note saying, hey, here's the link to everything. And can you get this online for me? And she was doing that. And last week she did everything that and Andrea was doing for me this week. However, earlier this week on Monday, I trained her how to do all of the post-production on my shows uh, on her end. So basically, let me tell you what's going to happen. As soon as I'm finished recording this episode, I'm going to take the SD card out of my Edderall recorder. I am going to put it into the side of my computer. It's going to pull up on my uh, desktop. I'm going to double click on it. I'm going to drag that file into what's called a Dropbox folder, which I've shared with my assistant, Amy. It's going to upload automatically to the web and then download that file right into her hard drive. She will then rename the file exactly the way I've trained her to rename my files for me. She will then open that file up in Adobe Audition. She will process that file exactly the way that I would have processed the file. She'll save the file. She'll add the artwork and title and all that stuff to this MP3 tag information. She will then upload that file to Libsyn from her account, she will then go to my show notes, grab all of that information, post it to all the different sites that I have to post these shows to. Virtual Assistant, this show will get posted to virtualassistantpodcast.com, gspn.tv, and my gspn.tv plus membership site. It's going to get posted to all three of those. She will then put that file back into my Dropbox folder and she'll send me an email and tell me, hey, Cliff, it's all taken care of. Uh, I'm ready for the next file whenever you're ready. And it's only taking her about 15 minutes per show. 15 minutes per show to do all of that. Okay? And not only that, but this is the first week she's done it. She's she's only going to get faster. And even still, 15 minutes is an amazing time frame to get all of this done. So I want you to know, I am ending the Virtual Assistant Podcast, but I am extremely happy with my new virtual assistant. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, honest truth right here, I hope that I have the services of Amy, my new virtual assistant for many years to come. And, and that's just the way it is. But as I said, my, my goal here was to answer your guys's questions to, to help you understand what the virtual assistant industry is and stuff like that. And, and to be honest with you, my passion for talking about this topic 
uh, it's it's getting it's getting old for me. I'm I'm, I'm kind of getting bored with it. Uh, yeah, it's great, but I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over again. And you know what? The archives are not going to go away. They're still going to be online. People are going to do a search for a virtual assistant, and and they'll actually some many people will actually see if there's a podcast out there about virtual assistants, and they're going to come up and they're going to see virtualassistantpodcast.com, and there's going to be a lot of archives that they can go back. I think the majority of this, all of this content is going to be evergreen. And so I'm excited about that. And it's going to continue to point people back to my other stuff that I do anyway. So it's, it's all going to be good for me. And uh, I've got other things on my mind that I want to do and pursue in 2011. I don't even know what all of those things are yet, but I have some ideas. Um, and just, and they're just, I mean, they're just the birth, baby birth of ideas at this point in time. But yeah, there, there are new things I'm going to do and I'm going to pursue and, and uh, so, yeah, but I just want to say thank you to Contemporary VA for sponsoring this podcast from its inception. And I want to say thank you for, for each and every one of you who are listening to this. Now, what I told you that I would do is I told you that I, uh, before I ended this thing, I told you, hey, wouldn't it be great if I went and did an episode about the, the biggest fears people had about having a virtual assistant? So I went over to... Um, I went over to, what do you call that, uh, LinkedIn, and I went into their answers sections where you can ask a question and you know you can invite people to come and answer the question. And so I did that. And I said, hey, folks, you know, I got a question for you. You know, if, if you were consider, to consider hiring a virtual assistant, what would be your greatest fear or fears uh, that, w- that might keep you from doing so? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and read these fears that people have. And in this episode, number 37, and next week's episode, my last episode of this podcast, episode 38, I'm going to do part one and part two, the greatest fears of hiring a virtual assistant. And so we're going to start off with Greg, a good friend of mine, by the way. Um, at least I consider him a good friend, uh, you know, good, good uh, person that I've met through the, the wonderful uh, media of social media and podcasting and and uh, over there, um, he, anyway, but anyway, Greg, you know who you are, and, and, and uh, thank you for answering the question with your with your concerns. Here's what Greg has to say. He says, uh, and he has one, two, three, four, and all four. By the way, all four of Greg's questions start with the same few words: paying for a virtual assistant. So basically, I think I think one of Greg's greatest fears since it shows up in all four of his answers, uh, is number one, paying for a virtual assistant. And I must say, paying for a virtual assistant was a fear of mine as well. Where do I come up with the money? Uh, and I think I covered that in, an, in one of the early on episodes when I explained that I can't afford not to hire a virtual assistant. I can't afford not to pay somebody to do the things that I shouldn't be working on. So the thing is, is of course, you know, what do I do that earns me money? All right. And then what is my earning potential? And when I think about that things, how many time, how much time do I spend on non income revenue stream kind of things? You know, things that could be, that I could train just about anybody to do. And I end up doing, I don't particularly like doing them. In fact, I hate doing them and I hate doing them so much that I allow just about anything and everything to distract me from doing them so that something that my, so something that a virtual assistant could do in 15 minutes normally takes me an hour and 15 minutes to do because I just don't like doing it as much. Well, when it comes down to it, I'm wasting an hour and 15 minutes. I'm wasting an hour's worth of time doing something. And sure, maybe that exact moment in time, I might not be doing something that's income generating. But here's the thing. When I'm actually spending those times doing things that I shouldn't be doing, especially when it, when it adds up and it actually becomes hours and hours and hours, when it comes time to actually do things that are revenue generating, I found that I was, as I was burning out. I was getting tired and, and I didn't have the same energy and creativity and, and all of those other things to put into the time when I was generating revenue. And uh, I certainly was actually getting to the point where I was just so busy, I couldn't even fit in you know, consulting calls or equipment sales or this or that. So um, I decided, you know, I can't afford not to pay for a virtual assistant. So that that fear dissipated for me immediately. But let's talk about Greg's specific fears. All right, his first one here is paying for a virtual assistant and having it end up being more work for me to manage him or her. Well, 
obviously, uh, you certainly have a valid fear there. Uh, it, it would be a pain in the butt if you consistently, if you if you had hired a virtual assistant and you were paying them, and they were the type of person that just consistently messed things up, and you had to babysit them, and 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 they weren't doing things the way that you expect them to do. Well, the good news about a virtual assistant is they're not an employee, so you don't have to go through the legal processes of you know unemployment and all this other stuff. You get a virtual assistant, and all of a sudden it ends up being in a, a case where you're it's it's more difficult to manage them than doing the work yourself. Well, guess what? You you get rid of them and you move on to the next one. And hopefully, hopefully you'll have an interview process in place that will help you actually uncover somebody who you get a good feeling is going to be somebody that you're not going to have to babysit. And I certainly don't have to manage Amy in any way at all. In fact, I, I, I in fact, I'm actually shocked at how little I have to coach Amy on how to do things. I, matter of fact, and I, I get the feeling that when I'm training her to do things, she bites her tongue on, you know, in the same way that my wife, when I train her how to do things, she goes, you don't have to talk to me like that. You don't have to treat me like I don't know anything, blah, 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 blah. You know, I know how to do that. Yes, I know how to do that. I don't get any of that from Amy, but I can just sense that, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I could do this. Yeah, Cliff, it's all in the manual. Yeah, Andrew, I, I get the sense that, yeah, I read all that last night. Yeah, I studied this for, you know, I studied your manual that Andrea put together for, you know, several hours and yeah, I pretty much know how to do all this. <laughs> I, I I get that feeling. Not not that she's made me feel that way, but I that's just the way that when I train her, it's like, yep, 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 I'm ready. And, and it's like, and, and, and not only that, but it's done right. Everything she's done for me has been done right. Very little management there. All right. Greg's next one. Uh, paying for a virtual assistant and then having to redo the work myself because the quality uh, would not be what I would do myself. This was one of my greatest fears. You know, it's like, but how can they, are they going to do it with the same? They can't. I mean, this is my business. This is my income. Obviously, they're not going to put the same effort and energy into doing this the way that I would. I mean, but here's the deal. Okay. I'm giving Amy a step-by-step process, you know, uh, open Dropbox, rename the file. File should be the three-digit episode number, the name of the podcast without spaces, hyphen, the name of the title without spaces, dot, lowercase m, lowercase p, uh, the number three. Rename that file that way. And by the way, the first letter of each word should be capitalized. Boom. Step one. Step two, drag the file to your desktop. Step three, open Adobe Audition. Step four, click file, open and dra- and, and browse to the file that you've just, you know, you brought over. Uh, step, you know, five, right click and select all. <laughs> step, you know, whatever. It's, it's step by step. I mean, it's it's how can you, the thing is, is for me, it was documenting how I do everything. So I, my big thing, and I did a whole entire episode about this, about, um, you know, I did it all myself for a long time and I started to document and and, pro, and write down the entire workflow of how I did everything. I, I started to document step by step what my workflow was. And then I went and I trained. It's like um, Stephanie. I loved it. I, I told her. I said, "Hey, guess what? I I taught Amy how to do all the processing of my files." She goes, "Oh, you gave her the eighty-seven easy steps," and I'm like, "Yep, I gave her the eighty-seven easy steps." So the thing is, is she's doing it with the exact same quality because she's doing she's following instructions step by step by step, exactly what I've told her to do, exactly the way that I did it myself. It is being done. All right. And the cool thing is, is guess what? I get to check up on it. I, I go in and I find out and see and I look. It's like, and, and, you know, I mean, every now and then there's like, oh, you know what? You forgot to put a space, you know, right there. And I, I would really like a space right there. And I, I didn't point that out to you. I didn't tell you that. But yeah, let, let's make sure from now on we put a space right there. And she's like, oh, cool. I'll, yeah, no problem. And she adds that to the little step and she knows to put that space there. That I mean, it is. I tell you what, there there are so many things that I used to think I was the only person who could do them, and I was wrong. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why it is so much easier for me to train Amy 
than it was to train Andrea. Because when I trained Andrea, I still wasn't sold on the idea that Andrea could possibly do it as well as I could. The truth is, though, as long as she's doing it exactly the way that I would, then it's going to be done exactly as good as I could. And it is getting done. And I have, you know, processes to check that out. All right. The next one is paying for a virtual assistant and then not using him or her for all the time that I paid for. Well, there are a couple answers to this one. One, you don't have to have somebody on retainer like I do. So you pay for, you know, you go and say, hey, I want to hire a, a, a virtual assistant for this one project. I'm getting ready to plan this event and I need them to create a database and I need them to create a mail campaign and I need them to do this. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and hire them just for this project. And, uh, and I'm going to work that out. I'm going to, you know, get a quote. I think it's going to be, you know, probably about eight hours, maybe 10 hours would be enough. And, and, uh, let's see if I can find somebody that has these skills necessary to do these things. And you only pay for the time you use. In fact, um, I'm on retainer for 30 hours per month. Now I went up from 10 or no, went up from 20, but, uh, I, I'm on 30 hours per month. And I I always use the time that I pay for. Now, I have a minimum of 30. And I, again, I bumped it up. I didn't have to bump up. I could have just paid for the 20 and then only pay extra if I if I happen to need more than 20. But I found that, that man, I got I, I enjoyed this delegation stuff so much that it's like, hey, I bet you I could have you do this. Ooh, I could have you do this. And and um, you get good at delegating. It, it, it starts to add up quick. And so I really don't run into that. Now, the thing is, my greatest fear is going over, running out of time and, and being charged extra. And of course, that fear I don't have to worry about because I made sure my assistant agreed that she would actually keep track of the time and, and make sure that she, you know, my high priority tasks, such as processing and publishing my podcast episodes, I want to make sure that she always has enough time. She budgets and she sets enough time only for those things so that if I ever give her another project that would cut into that time, she would say, hey, you're going to cut into this time. Which would you rather me do? Would you like to go over? Would you like me to do this instead of that or whatever? I told her to ask me those questions and budget her time wisely so that I said, you know, I don't ever want to go over 30 unless I specifically tell you I want to go over 30. So make sure you have enough time each week to do my PayPal. Make sure you have enough time to do each week to post, to publish all my show, process and publish all my shows and make sure you have enough time each week to handle the routine, you know, scheduling of my appointments. Those are the three things I need you always to be able to have enough time for. And then I'm going to have a bunch of other tasks and those are what we call free cycles, you know, extra cycles. All right. And, and I want you to fill that time wisely. And, and I want you to use the time. I want you to work on my business. So, and, and she is, she's doing great. All right. So, uh, that, that fear, uh, definitely understand it. Paying for a virtual assistant, but not using my extra time to make money to turn a profit or to also, uh, and to also pay for the assistant. So basically the fear is that I'm just working to pay the assistant. And this was one of my greatest fears when I first started out, this this idea of paying somebody else to do work. It's like, well, I could just do it myself for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. So this is one of my favorite pieces of advice that somebody gave me is why don't you put your assistant, the very first thing that you train your assistant to do, why don't you put them in charge of something that generates revenue? Now, maybe you don't have many streams of revenue. Well, maybe you want to create some streams of revenue. You know, something else that's going to earn you money. Um, at the time when I hired Andrea, I was doing tons and tons of equipment sales. So I had her in charge of following up on clients and that I had done proposals for because I was too busy to ever follow up with people. I just gave them a proposal. And if they wanted the equipment that they uh, got a quote for, then by golly, you're going to have to call me. And well, um, I got to the point where I had a sizable uh, book of, of proposals that were just sitting out there. The very first week that Andrea worked for me, she paid for her services for two months. Two months of her services were paid by the profit I made on one equipment sale that she followed up on. Now, it was a rather, it was a rather large, I think it was like a $3,000 equipment sale. I can't remember all the details. It was, it was a year ago. But it was it was something crazy like that, and so um, but yeah, definitely you you want to make sure that you know put them in charge of something. Um, you know there are two ways to think of this: put them in charge of something that's going to earn you income, that's involve them in the process of something that does earn you income, 
Or number two, get them working for you during the day when you normally would be doing the stuff that's bogging you down. Get them to do that. And at that moment in time, be doing more of the things that do earn you money. All right. So use that free time. But yeah, you definitely that's something that you do have to work out. You need to make sure that you're doing the things. Now, the thing is, is one of the benefits of a virtual assistant maybe isn't to make more money. The question is, is what do you think it might be? Let's just say you're you're making a decent uh, amount of money and but you're working 65, 70, maybe even 80 hours a week or more. And do you think it would be worth, you know, and it, it, could, could you imagine maybe knocking back five hours a week and and paying somebody else, you know, 18 bucks an hour uh, to, to do those tasks and know that they're being done extremely well, exactly the way you would do it, the way you train them to do it step by step by step? Absolutely. And and would it be worth $15 an hour to, you know, $18 an hour, $20? Would it be worth that to spend five more hours a week with your family? Boy, I hate to hear the the things that go on in your family if the answer to that is no. But you know where I'm coming from. All right, so Robert is do they have the requisite skills? That's a fear. You know, finding somebody who has the skills. Well, that comes out through the interview process and I think that that it's very not easy, but it's manageable. And 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 by the way, I I would say that the one of the biggest things about, there are two there are two things that are going to take some investment on your part. Um, actually, three things. Number one, there's the there's the financial investment of actually paying a vir- virtual assistant. Number two, there's an investment of taking the time to actually find the right VA. Uh, I personally, I'd say interview them, grill those people. I mean, grill them. I, I mean, you ask Amy, you ask my new virtual assistant. Uh, you ask Andrea when I interviewed her. I mean, we, it was it wasn't a quick phone call. It wasn't just three or four questions. I shared with you my interview questions. Just go back two episodes. You'll hear. But um, yeah, the investment. So investment of money of hire paying for them. Investment of taking the time to find the right virtual assistant, and then taking the time to train them. Yeah, that's that is an investment. Um, the the next fear from Robert was, uh, will they be responsible responsive to email communication regularly? He says every VA I fired, three or four of them, have all been fired for being unreachable or unwilling to maintain regular contact never because they couldn't do the job. Well, guess what? This That certainly is going to be one of the top things that I'm going to ask about in the interview. For me, I asked Amy, I said, listen, you know, during normal business hours, will I be able to see you online via Skype and send you a message and get a pretty quick response from you if I need to contact you with a quick question about something that I that I might need to have you work on? You know, I have no problem with you ever saying, hey, I'm on a call or, hey, can I get back with you in about 45 minutes? Whatever the case may be, can I contact you that quickly via an instant communication device such as Skype? And that was one of the things that I really wanted and and made sure that I was able to get from my virtual assistant. So <clears throat> something that, again, that can that fear can be done, taken care of very easily with uh, with the interview process. Will they adhere to deadlines? Well, the thing is, is you have to ask them, say, listen, I, you know, are, are you going to commit your services to me? Or how, how I would ask, you know, how many other people are you working for? Do you, do you have the time to work on my projects? How much time do you have to work on my projects? What if I give you, you can ask questions like, what if I give you a project on Tuesday morning that I needed to have by, you know, Tuesday afternoon? Is that something you'd be able to accomplish on a regular basis or if it was extremely important? I mean, tell, give me some ideas here. Ask those questions. Tell them ahead of time. Speak your expectations up front and let them know what your expectations are and and then ask them to commit. You know, do you commit to that you'll be there, that that you can do this? And uh, I think I think it all... The, all of that comes down to the expectations. Andy says um, his fear is having enough work for them to do or being able to explain exactly what you want and having them deliver it as well as you could. I think we've already uh, done the exactly what you want and deliver it the way that you could. Uh, I, I believe that's done through, number one, doing it yourself first, uh, especially those tasks that you're doing over and over and over and over again. And uh, then documenting it step by step and then training them step by step how to do it. Um, 
I don't know if maybe it's the way that I think and how OCD I am about step-by-step processes that makes that so easy for me. Maybe that's not as diff- maybe that's not as easy for everybody. And so if that's the case, then I apologize. But um but that's that is how I do it. My mind is a very very linear thinking mind. It's like this, you know, this is step 1, step 2, step 3, and I don't care. I, I'll I'll give you 198 easy steps on how to brush your teeth. I, I by golly, I can give you that. Um, you know, it's it, it it's that crazy for me. But um I do think that that's how you train people to do things. Now, of course, what do you, you know, we talked about what about hiring somebody to do something you don't even know how to do? Well, uh, that's that's where you get somebody who has some experience, and of course, that's where you maybe have to ask some people. You know, do you know? Can I talk to some other people you've done work for? Can I see some of your other work? Um, you know, and 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 you know, you try it out, and if it doesn't work, you fire them. I, I mean, it's it it is that easy. You do fire. You can fire a virtual assistant. Um, you know, if if it's not working out for you, and of course, having enough work for them to do. Or being able to do now, this was a concern for me. It certainly was a concern for me. Uh, I didn't know that I had enough work to to cover a twenty hour retainer. I'm so thankful I signed up for a thirty hour or twenty hour retainer though, because it forced me to find things and I got creative about things to give. But man, now I actually have to watch that I don't you know use too much. It's like you know I, there, there's a there's always something I could give. And and sometimes I forget. And matter of fact, you've heard me in this podcast. If you go back and listen through all the archives, you've heard uh, you've probably heard multiple occasions where you know you've heard somebody say, "Man, Cliff, why do you say you got to do that? Why don't you just give that to your virtual assist- assistant?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, duh, I will." And I've actually paused the recording and sent off a note to my assistant and says, "Hey, can you do this for me?" And boom, it's done. Anyway. From Evan, he says, for me, it's a lack of understanding what a VA could do for me. Now, I happen to know that Evan is a graphic artist. All right. So let's just say if I was a graphic artist, um, I don't know. I, I would imagine that if you're doing work for people, you probably are scheduling appointments to talk with people, sales calls. Uh, you you probably have invoicing uh, that you you probably don't want to do. You could in, You can send out your invoicing to your virtual assistant. Um, uh, dealing with, oh goodness, um, I'm drawing a blank blank here. QuickBook, you know, I know my QuickBooks, uh, you could probably, matter of fact, uh, matter of fact, if I was a graphic artist, I would probably find a virtual assistant who had some, some really massive, uh, you know, Photoshop or, or whatever graphic program skills that I, uh, for the program that I use. And I would teach them maybe how to do a couple of the normal routine things and ask them, you know, to, you know, in an interview process, hey, I want to ask you to submit, you know, if I were to ask you to do this, this and this, I'm going to give you these raw files. Let me give them to you. Show me what you can do. And maybe you actually, you know, farm out some of the work, some of the routine, more basic tasks of what it is your profession is. To somebody else and and then of course maybe you might have to clean it up or tweak it just a little bit but man to get you moving but yeah i mean you'd have to find out i mean there, there there's got to be something maybe and then the other thing is is having a virtual assistant just isn't for everybody so uh he says for the most part i would need assistant with what is um with specialized at least requires limited skill set in my field absolutely and you know what um evan there are people out there who have been trained on the software that you use who to be honest with you they just don't have the business sense to make a business to 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 drum up the business the way that you do and guess what chances are they'd be great at doing what you're doing let me tell you um the, the, uh, amy when i hired her um i i told her and i told stephanie if you ever heard about the jerry mcguire movie you know the there's this one scene where this this guy comes in and he, he's making this huge gigantic long apology and and he starts off with hello and then he goes on into it and then she goes dude you had me at hello and 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 one of the things that i asked amy is is you know tell me how did you become you know what made you decide to become a virtual assistant and she talked about how she was working online and became started uh, drawing up some niche blogs and and how she was doing this and she created all these social media accounts and then she got into this and researched this and and decided she really enjoyed doing this and that you know she learned that a virtual assistant basically their job is to do this for other people and she says that's what I wanted to do 
And I'm like, she had me at niche blogs. I mean, it really, I mean, she, uh, she has some specialized information for her to pick up and learn how to, uh, to, to create a WordPress page the way that I would create a WordPress page piece of cake for her. She knows what I'm trying to accomplish in the, the blogging in the WordPress sphere. So, so I didn't have to really train her to do anything there. She, she's like, yeah, I know what you're doing. Okay, cool. I can, I, let me go. I can do the rest of these for you if you want. And I was like, good to go. All right. And he says, also, it seems like the overhead of writing a description instru- slash instructions for some tasks might take longer than the task, doing the task myself. Evan, absolutely. In fact, there are, um, there are certainly many tasks that I do. Um, I can tell you right now, there are some tasks that I do that take me no more than 10 minutes that I probably spent about an hour and a half, maybe sometimes as much as three hours drawing up the description and step-by-step process of something that takes me 10 minutes to do. But I would never do that unless it's something that takes me 10 minutes to do on a daily basis or a weekly basis. It's something I do over and over and over again. And specifically, what if it's that one thing that takes me, you know, you know, 10 minutes to do, but honestly, I really despise doing it. And it comes back to that thing. Well, honestly, it only takes 10 minutes, but I ended up, you know, sometimes it gets delayed three or four days because I just never want to do it. And so, heck yeah, I'm going to take the time to go through the effort to do that training because then, you know, I don't have to worry about doing that task. I don't have to spend those 10 minutes day after day after day doing those things. I, I just, I get, I get an email on Monday. It says, Hey, that's done for you. (laughs) <laughs> that's it. Hey, that's done. Yes. Did it take some time to, to do the initial, you know, step-by-step? Absolutely. PayPal, how to do that? Pain in the butt. You know what? Having training a- Amy to do it versus training Andrea, piece of cake because Amy had already met, read the manual. The step-by-step had already been done. I'd already gone through all the hard work. All I had to do is say, hey, let me show you what all this looks like. Let me show you how this looks. And let me give you an example here. Do you think you can handle this? Absolutely. All right. And that's been done ever since. It was so much easier the second time around. So hopefully that helps you out there, Evan. And uh, Katie says, uh, my biggest fear is multifold and it stems from the fact that my business is me. Katie, welcome to my life. My business is me too. All right. She says, first, I worry. Okay. <laughs> me too. I worry. Uh, she says, I worry I won't have enough time for him or her to do, uh, for him or her to do, uh, for, I guess time things to fill for him or her to do. Uh, and that in the time that I'll have to take explaining everything, I could have done it myself. I think I just talked about that. Uh, and I could have done it better. You know, again, I've, I certainly had that issue. Nobody can paste the, nobody can publish a podcast episode as good as I can. Um, nobody can balance a PayPal statement in QuickBooks as better as I can. Nobody can talk to a client and schedule an appointment as better, as good as I can. Well, guess what? It is possible. Second, uh, um, Katie says that they'll do it wrong. Guess what? Uh, and she says, which will frustrate me and stress me out, not to mention misrepresent me. And third, I will have to spend the time training them. And oh, wait, and let me get to that one next. All right. Um, so second, that they'll do it wrong, which will frustrate me and stress me, stress me out and misrepresent me. You know what? There is the potential that they'll do it wrong. But guess what? <clears throat> you train them. If they do it wrong, you, you, you see what they did wrong. You correct it. If they do it wrong again, you say, bye-bye. Absolutely. Goodbye. You didn't get it. You told me that you were going to get this. I asked you in the interview. You, I've given you one. I've given you two. Maybe I even, maybe I even gave you a third chance. You are not getting it. I'm sorry. I'm moving on. Um, you know, we're done. All right. Um, here's the other one. And she says in third, I will spend the time training them and they will leave. I had this fear and guess what? This didn't happen to be a fear uh, that was, you know, what was it called? A um, future event appearing real. Well, this was a future event that became real. 
You know, one of my fears is that I would hire a- Andrea and that that she, you know, I would train her and I would get so used to having her and and after a year of training her and and getting her to be so involved in my business that she would just up and leave. That was a fear of mine. And then I got to know Andrea and then I thought, "Oh, that's never that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen." And guess what? It did. Not and and trust me, I still have a great relationship with Andrea. You I, you know, I I don't know all of the circumstances. I don't need to know all the circumstances, but I know that she felt like what she needed to do was right for her. Andrea is a great enough person to know that what's right for Andrea is right for Andrea. I don't hold what happened against her. I don't care that I was sick and all of this stuff. Did it put me in a bad position? Yes. Was it difficult to come out of? Yes. Am, you know, but you know what? Here's the deal. I I I actually found some I, I got Amy and you know what? Easier to train because I've already trained before. I know what I can do. I know what I can expect. She actually has better internet connection and and it, it it's it, I mean it's it's great it's a great setup and guess what you know I was afraid that I would spend all the time and train somebody and they would leave it happened and guess what it's not the end of the world it might happen you might train somebody they might leave guess what you've already taken the time to create all the step by step instructions you don't have to recreate the wheel you just need to train somebody else how to read those instructions and move on move on. All right. And just, and then Katie says this. She goes, and last, who are you calling a control freak? <laughs> Actually, I had a virtual assistant for about a minute. Maybe it just wasn't the right person. And that very well could be. And to be honest with you, again, I want to point this out. Having a virtual assistant probably isn't for everybody. I'm just saying that. It probably isn't. Um, Diane says, I have a fear. If I hire a virtual assistant to perform administrative tasks, but my biggest fear is, she goes, I hire a virtual assistant for administra- administrative tasks. But my biggest fear uh, is hiring a VA to perform bookkeeping tasks. Is that something I need? Um, it, oh, it's something that I need, but I'm very reluctant to pass along to put, pass along pass this along to anyone for fear of someone getting access to my account information. Now, yes, Diane, this is certainly something to be concerned about. And I would say you're right to be concerned about that. And if you don't have a very good feel for the person that's working for you, then absolutely, this this is a big concern. Now, Amy, after just, uh, gosh, two, two weeks now, maybe three, she's already got access to my QuickBooks. She's got access to my PayPal. She's got access to all that stuff. But you know what? I have eagle eyes when it comes to those details. I know when people log in. I know when you are sleeping. I know when you're awake. No, seriously, I I keep track of that. I have my QuickBooks emails me. If you log in, I get an email. If you log out, I get an email. Actually, I don't know if I get that. But but if you do transactions, it's possible to set up those things to tell you. It's like, hey, this was just done. You know, hey, this was just done. Hey, this was just accessed. Here's the other thing. And, uh, and, and basically, um, you know, this, this is a huge fear of giving people your critical, you know, contact, you know, login information and all that other stuff. Um, lastpass.com, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S.com. I signed up for a premium account. Haven't, have not set this up with Amy just yet, but I plan to not because I don't trust Amy, but because I'm getting more and more serious about my own password security. Here's what you can do. LastPass, you sign up. The software remembers all of your passwords, all your logins, and fills them. can fill them in. You get into a login screen on the web, such as my QuickBooks Online, my PayPal, whatever the case may be. It says, hey, you're on a site that I have, you know, that I can pull out some stored information. Would you like me to fill in your username and your password for you? And you can say, sure, go ahead and do that. And it fills it in, and it doesn't show you the password. It shows the dots, and, and you click log in, and boom, it logs you right in. Now, this software, uh, from what I heard from my friend Robert, who actually does security for banks, says this is very secure and it's all encrypted on their servers. Uh, they can't even unencrypt it. And everything's, you know, the only place it's unencrypted is on your own, you know, on your own device. And, and so if you, t- and that's only if you pass, enter in your master password. And here's the thing. I have the access to go in at any time via my iPhone, my iPad, or the browser, or whatever the case may be, 
and see all my passwords, all my secure notes and all this other stuff, even credit card numbers and all these other things. And what happens is I have the ability to say, hey, Amy, will you go ahead and install this plugin for your browser and uh, go ahead and create a free account? I have a premium because you have to have a premium to do what I'm going to do. But she is going to have a she would have a free account. And what I would do is is her account's going to be tied to an email address. And I have the ability to go into my my um, let me see what it's called. I can tell you I'm going to click on LastPass. It's called my my LastPass vault. So I can log into my vault and I can see one of my passwords for one of the websites. Let's say PayPal. And I can share I can go in and by the way, I can change my password in PayPal, have it saved in LastPass to this totally unguessable password that nobody would even know. And, um, and basically what I can do is I can go in there and I can save that password and then I can share. There are two things you can do. You can share or give. So I can actually say, share this with Amy at Ravenscraft.org or give this to Amy at Ravenscraft.org. Here's the difference. If I give this password, you know, sharing it with her in a way that I give her the password. When she goes to her last pass vault, she will see my login information and she can actually go in and see, she can click a button to actually see what that password is in the vault. However, if I share my password with her instead of giving it to her, it actually give it puts, it puts that secure password in her vault but in a way that she can't see what that password is. Now, she will be able to go to PayPal and she can click and say, yes, fill this in, but she will never know what password is actually being entered there. So that if I ever want to revoke Amy from ever being able to access my passwords, all I do is go in my vault, take away that sharing privilege, boom, immediately she could no longer sign into my uh, PayPal and she would have never known what that password ever was. Lastpass.com. I'm looking forward to getting some time in early of 2011 to set that up. Again, not because I don't trust Amy, but because I recognize a need for myself to become a little bit more secure in my online password usage. All right, from Dow, this is another question, another answer that came in on uh, um, on Quicken, or not Quicken, on uh, LinkedIn. Dow says this, Hey Cliff, as an insurance agent, like you were in your former life, I'd really have to put some thoughts into work assignments that I could give them and not violate any of my state's insurance licensing laws. Um, All of our personnel that work uh, with our clients are properly licensed. Not saying it couldn't be done, but it would just, I would just have to be careful. You might have some unique insight that into that since you are a former insurance agent and now you use a virtual assistant. So let me just give you some, okay, I, I, yes, absolutely. In, in all of my years as being a personal lines and commercial lines and life and health lines, insurance independent agent, uh, in a family run insurance agency, we had hired and I had trained many different customer service agents who were not licensed. And there are so many things you can give to them that you could have and you could have a, you could have one of your customer service agents answer your phone and take requests such as, you know, Oh, I am so sorry to hear that you, you were involved in this accident. Was anybody injured is the first thing that you're teaching them to ask. Wow. That I'm so glad. I'm so sorry. still so sorry to hear that that's happened. I'll tell you what, let me get some information from you. Where did this happen? Which car was this? I'm looking at your I'm looking at your policy information here. Was this the 96 Ford Taurus or was it the 97 Ford Taurus? What's the VIN numbers just so we can be sure? You know, and and going through it. Now now tell me who was driving. Those accord forms that you fill out, guess what? They can fill that out. Somebody calls for a quote. Oh yes, all of our agents are busy right now, but I tell you what, um I can take all the information to get that quote for you and I will have them do this for you. So basically, they can obtain all of the information that you normally would uh, collect for a quote. You could actually have them run motor vehicle reports and and clue reports and all of those other things. And they could put all that together, put it down and into a document and say, hey, here this is. In fact, there is nothing in licensing uh, that, that would prohibit you, uh, at least in property and casualty, I know, from them entering all that data into your quoting software and going through and actually letting the software provide you the quotes. Then you as the agents, as the agent would review it, make sure everything is copacetic, going through it, you know, and just making sure it was all done right. And then 
you actually call the client up and say, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so and I'm I'm an agent and I've just taken a look at everything here and I've ran this report. It turns out that, uh, you know, it, it does look like somebody there uh, named Chip has a speeding ticket that, that wasn't, um, you know, who, who's Chip? Oh, he's my son. He's moved out of the house. Okay, well, we don't have to worry about that then. Well, here's the, here's the quote. If we go with this company and this deductible and then you can talk to them and, and basically all that work. I can't tell you how many times that I was able with my, you know, customer service people to actually take a lot of work work off of my back. Now, whether or not you can find somebody that you trust in a very big way to do that offsite, you know, that's something you have to determine for yourself. And you certainly have to worry about security and 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 personal information. And, and it's not something, Dal, I'm saying that you should go do. But I'm just saying there's a lot that could be done. A lot that could be done. I, I can tell you right now, my parents could benefit in a ton of different different ways. Um, just just in office administration stuff, you know, you know, researching new postage meter, uh, you know, researching, you know, better, you know, ways to save money on the on you know the telephone bill and and all that other stuff. So many different things. I could see. Anyway, Dow says, secondly, another thought comes to my mind immediately with a virtual assistant or anyone on your payroll not working on your premises would always be the subtle but recurring thought. Am I truly getting the work for the hours I'm paying for or being billed for? What accountability measures are being in place? Well, my friend, that's very easy to address. You can actually make your virtual assistant or off-site worker, whatever the case may be, you make them accountable for reporting to you, uh, logging in, logging out, um, you know, documenting the work they do, and of course, tracking their performance, looking at the amount that they're processing. There are things that you can do internally to judge that for yourself. And I will tell you right now, um, the difference between having an employee who you pay for 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week Versus having a virtual assistant who, you know, you are paying for just the time that they actually are working on your projects. Big difference in savings, you know, all day long, you know, you know, they're, they're, um, let's just say 15 minutes per file. I'm horrible at math. Okay. Eight, no, I got this one. All right. Check this out. This, I'm good at this one. Okay. Eight podcast episodes today, 15 minutes each. All right. That is two hours that I'm going to have to pay for Amy today. Two hours Amy will spend working on my podcast production today. Guess what? If it was an employee, I'd be paying Amy for eight hours today. But instead, I'm paying for two because I'm only charged for the time that Amy is working on my projects. 15 minutes per file, eight files, I'm done. That's it. Big, huge benefit there. All right. Um... I'll tell you what, let's go on to Terry and then um, uh, we'll we'll kind of wrap things up here. Terry says, not sure of the cost, no way to figure out the return on investment. I would say um, the the fear of not knowing the cost, all you need to do is go and research that. Look up virtual assistants on uh, Google. You'll find a ton of services out there and all of them are pretty upfront with their pricing. And so as far as not sure what the costs are, you can easily find that out. As far as return on investment, well, that's the that that's pretty easy to figure out too. It's a formula. It's the number of hours that you're paying for somebody else to do the work that you would have done uh, and they're doing for you. And then, of course, the question is, can you take those hours that you're no longer doing that work and actually do work that earns you more money doing what you do best? And so if I, instead of working, you know, instead of doing... Uh, three hours of consulting and five hours of me answering emails and processing orders and and doing all this other other stuff that somebody else could do for me. Well, you know what? In, in my three hours, I make one hundred and fifty dollars an hour doing that consulting. What if I? Hmm. What if I instead of just doing three hours of consulting, I could bump that up to five hours of consulting? That's three hundred. That's three hundred dollars more on Tuesday and $300 more on on Wednesday that I would be adding and and basically that's $600 extra per week hmm and my virtual assistant I think I pay is it 555 or something like that per month 
So my return on investment, I'm paying for the full month's worth of services in the increased profitability of my business and time working on other people's projects by doing that. So absolutely, absolutely wonderful way of calculating return on investment. And so I'll tell you what, I am I am running right up on an hour. I am going to finish this up, this list next week. So uh, be sure to pick up the next episode, episode number 38. It will be my final episode of the Virtual Assistant Podcast. My goal here, as I said from the beginning, was to explain to you what it's like to have a virtual assistant and to help you basically reduce the barrier of entry into entering into this delegating task to somebody else. Now, I'm not saying it's for everybody, and you know that, but I certainly wanted to calm most of the fears. And I tell you what, I absolutely love having a virtual assistant, and it works for me. Again, might not be for you, but you never know until you find out the answers that you're looking for. And hopefully, this podcast has done it for you. Thank you, Contemporary VA, for sponsoring this podcast. That's Contemporary VA contemporaryva.com God bless you all. Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon.